Welcome to another Aflame teaching session. We hope you enjoy this special message by Hank Kleinschmidt. amazing privilege to be together as men, together in your presence, together in your name, together under your word. And we love you. We want to raise that hallelujah in our hearts today. Lord, maybe our circumstances are not great, but we're raising it because you are always the same every day, yesterday, today, and forevermore. You've never changed. You are our redeemer, our rock, our deliverer, our savior. You're our door of hope. And we just praise you this morning because you are worthy. You are worthy of all of us, Lord. You are worthy of everything that is inside of me. And we surrender it to you once again this morning, Lord. Just come and speak to our hearts this morning. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Alright. Wow. It's cool to be with a bunch of men. Yeah. It's so funny when I... um and I just got going in ministry for some reason I got invited to women's meetings like I don't know I was the most popular women's camp speaker <laughs> in Pretoria for a season I don't know what happened but I think God was preparing me for um, for a while so every time when I get to speak to men I feel like really excited I feel like I've upgraded a little bit don't tell that to the ladies though but uh, anyway so it's just fun to be with you guys this morning and um, I want to share with you um, who, who were not here last night I just want to see Okay, that's a lot of you, alright. Um, that's okay, I forgive you. Um, but this morning I just want to get real practical about a couple of things. And I understand that in this room we have, you know, it's a mixed bag, right? So we have guys that's married, we have guys that's unmarried, we have guys that's been through a divorce, or we have guys that's lost a spouse or a partner, we have ones with children, without children, so it's a, it's kind of, you know, a bit of a mixed group to speak to. And so I'm gonna try and speak to all of you, and hopefully something lands in your heart. And that's, that's, that's the goal of this morning, is just to, to encourage you, because, um, I don't know there's been it well let's not make silly statements but for sure in my lifetime um, I don't think there's ever been an onslaught on family and and on manhood like there is in this hour right it, it's an absolute attack on on the structure of family it's an absolute attack on on the creation of what what God made man and woman to be and what he wanted family to be it's an onslaught out of hell and it's fierce. It really is fierce. It's not a, a small thing that's going on in the world around us. You know, and um, I, I live in a village, you know, I, I live in a village most of the time and sometimes there's a lot of benefits to that. But every now and again I do put my head in the city and I'm going, okay, this is intense. You know, what's going on here is pretty wild. Some crazy ideas floating around and some weird um, you know, ideas that's trying to be pushed down our throats and saying this is the way that we should go. And I just, you know, there's a scripture in, in Joel, um, same as scripture, Joel chapter 3 verse 9, it says, Proclaim this among the nations, prepare for war. Yeah. And it says, Wake up the mighty men, let all the men of war draw near, let them come up. Joel 3 verse 9. 
And I feel like that is the call of God in this hour. He's like, wake up the mighty men. Right? Wake up the mighty men. There is a cry for war over your home, over your family, over your destiny as a human being. Right? And it's, and we need warriors. Right? And everything we spoke about last night, um, was about this, this covenant that this marriage covenant that the Lord is drawing us into and as a man I think for a season the, the message of sonship was preached quite a lot am I right and that was really cool as a man because you went like yeah I can relate to that but when we start pre- preaching bride we're also a little bit like I don't know you know <laughs> like if you read song of songs you go a little bit yeah it's awesome but it's a little bit weird sloppy wet kisses from Jesus and all of that it's just you know it kind of messes with your mind a little bit but it's 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 the, the the bride is a warrior, right? And the call is for the bride, for the mighty men within the bride to stand up. And and sometimes they might look like a lady as well, because uh, it might be a lady. But it's us men that needs to lead the way, right? We have to lead the way in the Lord, in this hour. We have to stand up and we have to let our voices be counted. We have to wake up to what's going on around us. We have to stop to be these guys that just kind of push to the side and, you know, like, oh no, don't, don't, you're a bit too manly, so um, you're being too this or too that. Uh, that's not what, what the world needs right now. The world needs lovers of Jesus that knows how to wield the sword. Okay? David is the ultimate example of what that looks like. The ultimate example. Probably the greatest lover in the whole Bible is David. I mean, the romantic of romantics. I mean, I look at him and I'm just like, please let nobody ever compare me to this guy because it's just, I'm not, you know. I mean, the, the Psalms are just like, oh, this guy, you know, he's just, he's a romantic. And then he goes and he kills, I don't know how many thousand by the sword alone, and he chops that one, that one's head off, and this one, he's like, Lord, can I kill this one? No, you can't. Can I kill that one? Yes, you may. You know? And God goes, man, that's a guy after my own heart. <laughs> you know? There's something about this intimate relationship with Jesus, where we are soft and tender before the Lord, but we are warriors in our very essence and in our very being. This is who we are. Right, and it looks different. It's it's not you know like, um, like people have this perception. You know, like you've got to look like this. You've got to be like that. So you know you, you know like if you if you think of of somebody, I just use him an example because he's coming. But if you think of someone like David Hogan, I mean that is man, right? It's like oh, you know beard, the voice, everything, and he's in Mexico and he's you know gunshots and all of this stuff. And, and so in our head, that becomes like, that's what it looks like. But, but then there's other guys that, you know, they're like unassuming in a certain way. And they're doing these incredible things for the Lord, fearless and just walking with the Lord. Completely different, but they're warriors as well. So it's not like the one is more warrior than the other one. Or the one is more brave than the other one. Bravery looks like something. It looks like obedience. Okay? It's as simple as that. It's not a matter of, of the growl or, or, or any of that. It's, it's obedience to the voice of the Lord. That's what makes you a man. That's what makes you brave. Romans 8.19 says, For all of creation is waiting, is longing, is groaning, is in eager expectation, whichever translation you want to use, for the revelation of the 
sons of God. That word sons, it's mature sons. Right? It's mature sons. A couple of verses earlier, Romans 8.14, it says, Those who are led by the Spirit are the sons of God. So what makes you a mature son? An open ear to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Obedience is what turns you into a warrior. Obedience to the voice of the Lord as somebody that walks in the way of the kingdom, that walks in the way of the Spirit, that walks according to the word of the Lord, that's what makes you a warrior. That's it. It's not about biceps and guns, right? If you have those, awesome. <laughs> no problem at all, right? But that's not the point. It's obedience. Creation is longing for people that will be obedient to the Lord. The call to men to rise up to war is men that will be obedient to the leading of the Spirit and not back down. That's the call. Right? Um, and, and listen, it's been, it's been interesting. Marriages are under pressure everywhere. Men are under pressure everywhere. Women too. I'll talk to them later. Right? Send your wife. It's going to be good. <laughs> you want her to be here. No. <laughs> this, is not, this is not being recorded. Am I right? Yeah. Dovi. Oh, is it recorded? Okay. I need to watch my words. You're... No. Um, so, I want you to page with me to James chapter 3. I want to read out of that a little bit. I'm going to read verse, verse 13 to 18. I want to quickly lay this as a foundation and then we're going to get practical. Uh, James 3 verse 13. So James is like the New Testament version of Proverbs, right? I don't know, it's, it's awesome. A lot of really good practical stuff in there. Um, it's really good to read it like at least once every three months because it's, it's practical and it kind of just grounds you a little bit. Because James is not fluffy. He's just like, you know... You know, do what do what the word says. Just keep it simple, man. <laughs> you know, it's like don't be ridiculous. Just do this, right? Anyway, so he goes and he says, uh, "Who among you is wise and intelligent?" If you ask your wife, none of us. If you ask your wife, none of us. Am I right? <laughs> no, but but it's a good question. Who among you is wise and intelligent? Uh, that's a good question, because a lot of us has got lots of opinions about lots of things, right? Lots of us reckon we are very wise and very intelligent about a lot of things. And, um, and he goes on, he says, Let him, this is how you know you're wise and intelligent, by the way, let him by his good conduct show his good deeds, right, with the gentleness and humility of true wisdom. So, so we've got a lot to say. There's lots of people who've got lots of things to say, but, but show it to me by your good conduct, by doing good deeds, by doing the works of the kingdom, doing the things of the kingdom. That's how you prove it to me. And do it to me in, please, can you do it in gentleness and humility? That's, that, uh, right there, that's a pretty good starting point for all of us. So you think you're wise, you think you're intelligent, okay, beautiful, now show me. Show me. Stop talking and show me your good conduct. Show it to me in your life. Show it to me in your marriage. Show it to me in the way you raise your children. Show it to me in your workplace. Show it to me in where nobody else is watching. Show me what that looks like. 
And then, and then listen, if there's not humility and gentleness in the mix, it's not wisdom. Then it's puffed up knowledge. It's not the Lord. That's how it starts. So many times we, 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 we build up our opinions, we build up our ideas of the people around us, because on the inside we're actually feeling broken, and we feel all that we have is my opinion. And I need you to see what I see, otherwise, oh my goodness, because it's the only thing I have. And it's kind of like James is going, maybe you should just be quiet a little bit, and just show me what you're doing is actually the wisdom of God. And then he goes on and he says, I'm going to help you out here, guys, because obviously you need help, just like me. He says, because now it's true wisdom, okay? So that means there's a false wisdom as well. So let's just see which is which. He says, but if you have... <laughs> I really want this to cut us deep this morning. Is that okay? I read it this week and I went, oh. You know, like, oh, Lord. Okay. And, you know, if you listened last night, I, I'm, not, I'm not living in sin. I, my marriage is good. My children love me. We're actually, we're actually in a great space. So if you listened to me last night, we're actually really blessed. It's going well with us. It's going well with the ministry. But I realize something, that there is something in the Lord that I'm not tasting yet that I want to taste. That's, that's the point. This as well. It's not like, you don't have to be sitting with a addiction issue or, or a life falling apart. You might be pretty solid and stable. I still want you to listen. Right? He says, but if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not be arrogant. <laughs> Do not be arrogant and be in defiance of the truth. So he's going, he says, okay, first of all, just maybe be quiet, do the stuff, right? In gentleness and humility, just do it, and true wisdom will reveal itself. He says, but if you have selfish ambition in your heart, And bitter jealousy. Now that's probably no one in the room, so we can just skip this verse and go on, right? I say, if you have it in your heart, where is it in your heart? It's in your heart. Where nobody else can see it. He does. And you know about it. He says, if it's in your heart, I say, don't be arrogant. What's the point? Stop faking it, stop covering it up, stop acting like it doesn't exist in your life. He says, be real. Like, just be real. Because otherwise you're in defiance to the truth. You are opposing the truth. And truth has a name. He's called the King of Kings. He says, you're opposing that guy. Don't do that. Don't be arrogant, right? Selfish ambition, I mean, what does that look like? With the best of intentions, we can fall into selfish ambition because we're building our own thing and we cut off those around us because the priority becomes a thing and not a person. It becomes building a ministry, building a business, building something and it's not Jesus at the center of this thing. And we will do anything in our ambition to, to achieve the goal even if we have to hurt those or leave those around us. Behind. That selfish ambition. 
Selfish ambition can look like this. No, honey, <laughs> I'm not taking out the trash because I want to watch the rugby game. And then you watch the game and you still don't take it out. And then honey takes it out tomorrow because honey is fed up. That was selfish ambition. Right? We can't live this way anymore. He's calling us to a higher place. He's saying, let the mighty men stand up. We, we Jealousy. I mean, let's be real. Like we look at the world around us and we look at that one and we go, that's pretty nice. And, and it begins with a nice respect and honor. And then at some point it switches into, that's not right. You know, that, that. Why, why are they so prosperous? Something must be wrong there. Something is not right. Why are their ministry go? Why are the business? Something is not right. What? I'm telling you, something's not right. They're telling. And suddenly you become the investigator and you become a slanderer. What's a slanderer? You look for something wrong in their lives so that you can accuse them. If somebody looked at each and every one of our lives to find fault so that they can crucify us based on it, we are all in serious trouble. All of us. Because you're going to find stuff in my life, I'm going to find stuff in your life. Remember that one time you looked at that tiny with the wrong way and you didn't greet her right? Oh, you see, but you preach love, but look at you. Really? You see, and, and we go into jealousy and jealousy kills. I live in a community with this guy where, like, I mean, it's different than here, but is it really? <laughs> I think sometimes village life is just easy because it's just all out in the open. You don't have to wonder. It's right there in front of you. It's like, ah, oh, okay, now that's what's going on. Here it's kind of sophisticated and everybody hides it, you know. There it's just, it is what it is. What? You got a new car. Oh, we're going to burn down your house and your car. Why? You have a car and I don't have a car. That's not right. We're just going to burn the thing, right? Am I right? <laughs> that's the way it is, right? If that one prospers, oh my goodness, don't... He did something wrong. I'm telling you, there's some witchcraft behind that thing. There's something behind that story. Why are they doing well and we're not? Because surely it can't be Jesus, right? Surely it can't be that they might be walking in the wisdom of God. Something must be wrong. You know? Or we look at our wives and we are jealous of them. Jealous of their calling. Jealous of their anointing. Jealous of who they are. Jealous of their friendships. And in our hearts something builds up and we start looking at this person next to me and I'm going, hmm. Yeah, honey, I'm really happy for you. That promotion at work. Uh, very happy. So good. <laughs> right? Oh, honey. My love, I just, I had this awesome dream. Jesus walked with me in the garden and he showed me this and that and that. And you're like, yeah, I read a verse this morning. That was pretty good as well. <laughs> I weren't transported into the seventh heaven this morning, but hey, you know. And, and in the beginning, it's like, oh, it's so awesome. I'm so excited. And then at some point we go, why does she get it? And I'm not getting it. And that jealousy starts sitting in the heart and we go, what was beautiful suddenly is offensive. My business partner, what was amazing about him, suddenly I'm going, hmm. 
This hurts. Jealousy and selfish ambition. He says, don't oppose. Don't be defiant to the truth. Don't be arrogant. You know, don't be arrogant. I remember I was just starting in, in um, starting out in ministry those early days and and you know I'm moving in the you know moving into townships and we're doing stuff. It's before the living the word Uesda even so it's way back. I'm not married, you know, just uh, we're married. I can't remember. Anyway, so we're starting and stuff and uh, so in my little group of friends, I, you know, I was one of the guys that started breaking out in, in the miracles and those things kind of first, you know and. And I didn't think I had any issues. Like, I thought I'm just like, I'm just wanting Jesus, I'm happy, whatever. And then I met a guy, my, my age, and I'm checking this guy, and boy, he's moving. Oh my goodness, healing, stuff's happening around him. It's so awesome. And it is amazing. And I, man, initially I'm so excited because now I have somebody, we can talk about stuff, man. We can share, what are you, and it's, it ends great. Then suddenly he gets invited into some offices of some pretty influential people. And I'm going, I'm not invited. Hmm. You know? Just that little thought. Just like, oh, I'm not invited. Okay. No, but I, I'm, I'm also moving and stuff. And, and suddenly, just this moment, this thing just started going in my heart like, why him and not me? Isn't it foolish? I mean, it's not even my gifts, right? It's the Lord's anointing. It's got nothing to do with me. Nothing. It's the Lord. And I'm going, why is he being promoted in this direction? And, and I'm kind of not. I'm going, you know, what's wrong with this picture in my heart? Like, that's literally what it is. And I'm sitting with this thing and it keeps building and the Lord goes, you're in trouble. <laughs> I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, you're jealous. <laughs> it looks like he was making fun of me. You're jealous. <laughs> I'm going... I am, because <laughs> who knows? It doesn't. It doesn't help fighting him. He's he's right. He's truth. Okay. So it's not like you go. No, I'm not. And he's like, no, you are. No. He's not going to change his mind. He's like, you're jealous. And I'm going, oh, okay. This sucks. I'm like, Lord, what do I need to do? He says, honor him, honor him publicly, honor him as much as you can. So financially into his life, do whatever. Let's just just do it. And man, I just I just did it. I I mean, we were poor as can be oh my goodness like starting out you know you're just like <laughs> if you pay the rent you're happy then you don't know about food you're like okay we'll we'll get that sorted in a bit you know but anyway so i'm sitting like the lord says so i'm like okay anyway so i sow into his life wherever i go i'm talking about this guy i start inviting him to preach wherever i'm preaching wherever i can we start doing stuff together and that thing breaks no jealousy to this day we are friends to this day, we are friends and we celebrate each other, we love each other, we do stuff together, you know. But that jealousy just crept into my heart and it almost killed a relationship that had kingdom value, that has had kingdom value for 13, 14 years now. It almost killed it because of jealousy and selfish ambition. Alright? We can't live this way. If we want to say we're the mighty men, we're the men of war, we are men... What is the thing about men is like it's it's the brotherhood, it's it's the camaraderie among them, that's what makes us strong. It's the fact that we can say, Listen, I value you, I celebrate you, I trust you, and if I can't do it here, if I can't do it with my wife and my children, how am I gonna do it outside of that? My goal is that my wife prospers. 
That's my goal. When we got married, the Lord said to me, what if Maurice becomes the biggest ministry in the house? He literally spoke to me about it. He says to me, what if your wife becomes a bigger ministry than you can ever have? What will you do? And I had to sit with it a little bit and go, like, it would be interesting to me in the, in the sense that, you know, it, it would feel maybe a bit wrong way around or whatever, not, not about her, but just the order in the house and all those things. And he said, I know, but what if I, I want to use it? Would you be able to handle it? And I said, yes, I think I will. So my goal has always been to see her prosper in, in her calling and push her forward in it. To see her rise up to whatever God wants to do in her. And we'll get to that part now about the children and her responsibility. But that's always been my goal. I look at my children and I think, if you can do better than me one day, that'll be a really good deal. That would be success. That would be success. Right, and my children's young, so it's not a good time to talk about that. But that is the desire of my heart. Right? My, my goal is when I have guys next to me in ministry, like... Young guys, men my age, whatever, like next to me, is to can they learn from me something that, that propels them further than I am? Because that would make me a father, wouldn't it? Right? We've got to get that out of our lives. Verse, verse 15. Oh, we're not going to get very far. I can somehow feel it now. <sighs> Are you having fun? It's not fun, I know, I know. <laughs> it says this. I love how the Bible's just honest, especially the Amplified. It's like this wisdom, in my Amplified, it just adds these brackets. This superficial wisdom, <laughs> just to make sure that you know on what page you are. <laughs> this superficial wisdom is not, that's how you know it's a woman, by the way. It's words like that. She translated it and she just put it in there for us men to be sure that you know exactly what she's saying, right? This superficial wisdom is not that which comes down from above. Right? Because jealousy and selfish ambition creates a way of thinking inside of us that is, looks like wisdom in the eyes of the world. Right? Because it means, if I can destroy somebody on the way to my success, it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter how much blood I leave behind me. Doesn't matter how many people I hurt to get to the goal. Even if it's a good goal, it's an awesome goal, it's a godly goal, but it's driven out of selfish ambition and jealousy. And he says, it is superficial and it's not from above. It's not from heaven. That is frightening. It's not from heaven. It looks awesome, but it's not from heaven. What you're building is not from heaven. That's what he's saying. Man, and we have to check this thing over and over in our lives. What are we building? Is it from heaven or is it not? It, I mean, it looks good. It looks awesome. It, it worships and it sings and it does this. And, and there's prayer meetings before work in the morning at the business place and all of that stuff. But is it, is it God's wisdom that we're doing or is it just selfish drive and ambition and jealousy? He says it's, it's, it's not from above. But it is earthly, secular. It is natural, meaning unspiritual. Animal-like is one of the words there. Even demonic. Wow. So, we sit as human beings, all of us, 
as men, we, like I say again, doesn't matter which side of the coin you're on at the moment, where your life is at, doesn't matter. But, but we step into a place where selfish ambition and jealousy drives the agenda of our lives. And suddenly we, we tap into a wisdom that is earthly, meaning it's secular. So it's a secular way of thinking that starts coming into our households. It's a liberal way of thinking at the moment because that's the ideology of the day. Right? It's liberal. It's against the knowledge of the Lord. The way family is structured, the way we structure things, it's against the knowledge of God. It's earthly. And it starts with earthly, which is already bad. It's, it's already not a good deal. But then it goes into unspiritual. So now we're really stepping into dangerous territory. Because now we're stepping out of the Spirit of God. It's not only just that it's worldly ideas, but we're outside of the Spirit of the Lord. In our thinking, in our pattern. And he says, and now it becomes demonic even. Or it becomes a stronghold in your life. And suddenly you sit in a place where you're in the cycle and you cannot break out of it. Like you hurt your wife over and over and over again with your words. You fall into old patterns over and over and over and over again. Old cycles over and over again. And we go, how do we get here? Well, that's it. Selfish ambition, jealousy, wisdom from the wrong channel. And we end up in this cycle and we can't figure out what is going on. And at some point you just sit and you go, I don't know, why is my heart so hard? Something's not right, but I've been doing it so long, I can't even get out, I can't even see out of it. That's the scary part, guys, is that we get to a place where we cannot even see that what we're doing is messed up, although we know something feels wrong. Because we've convinced ourselves over and over, this is the way, this is right, this is good. She's wrong. He's wrong. It's his fault. No, shame, man. But you don't know where I come from. You don't know what they did to me. Yeah. You don't know my house. You don't know my background. You don't, you don't know. Ah. Uh, he knows. He knows. And how many times do we use that? Sorry, can I just be straight? How many times do we use that to cover our own selfish ambition? Because what we're saying is, listen, I got hurt when I was young. I got hurt when I was old. Doesn't matter. I got really hurt. It was painful. I'm sorry for that, by the way. And so is he. That's, it sucks. We all have a story in this room. Right? I got hurt. And this is the reality. I don't really want to deal with it. And I've got some stuff I want to do on the side. And, and I'm not saying this is your story. I'm asking, might this be the voice actually in the deepest part of your heart? And we go, I got hurt. It really sucks. So you know what? I'm going to use that. And actually there's some selfish ambition in me. So I'm going to just do what I actually want to do. And then when things get rough, I'm just going to point back to that pain. 
I'm not saying that is you. I'm just saying might it be sometimes the little voice in our head. Because if you've been alive for a little bit, you've been hurt. Right? Who in this room hasn't been hurt? And it's a test every single time. Oh my goodness, it's a test. It's a test. It's like, who are you going to be? You know? Am I going to be a mighty man that comes to war on this thing? Am I going to be somebody that brings the kingdom into this situation? And listen, let's be real. It's tough sometimes. Again, David. Like, you read David's Psalms and you go, oh my goodness, Psalm 38 is like, we went through a rough time. Oh man, early days, it was rough. And I'm sitting, I'm going, how did I end up here? How did we get to this space? How, you know, everything is just almost crumbled in that moment. Like everything. It was touch and go, right? Touch and go. And I'm sitting and I've stumbled upon Psalm 38 and I read David's words and David's like, you know, Lord, I feel like this. My Lord, there is not even, there is not even a sparkle in my eyes anymore. It's like I feel like I'm dying and, and you, go, you start reading it and you go, oh, the romantic David, he got it. He's been there. We've all, we've been there. All of us have a story. All of us have pain. All of us have stuff that happened to us that makes us feel we can justify this thing. But the danger is this, is the minute that we do, you go into earthly wisdom, it's unspiritual and it becomes a stronghold in your life and you're stuck in that place. You're stuck. You're stuck. Yeah, one of my favorite verses in the season was Jonah. Because uh, Jonah is like the ultimate angry person in the Bible. Right? Jonah is just like what a lot of us feel on the inside. He's just like, whatever, I'm just letting it out. I'm just going to let it rip. This is the way I feel. Right? God is like, Jonah, go and preach to that city. It's like, I don't want to. He's like, you're going to. No, I'm not going to. He's like, okay, you're going to be swallowed by a fish. <sighs> okay gets spit out on the side, and then he goes and preaches to these horrible people, which he does not love, but he does not love them. Absolutely does not love them. He's not impressed with these Ninevites, right? And he goes and he preaches to them, and he preaches a five-sentence sermon. (laughs) Angry! He was so angry. I think he's so happy he's in the Old Testament because he could just lash that thing out. Repent because you're going to burn in hell. I think, that, I think he loved every moment and God comes because <laughs> he had access. We can't do that anymore. We're New Testament guys. Like sometimes I'm like, you know, anyway. And he preaches it. 120,000 people turns to the Lord like that. Revival. Citywide revival. And you would think... <laughs> One would imagine that Jonah might be very excited about this incredible moment in history. He's not. (laughs) He's absolutely disgusted with God. One would think revival broke out. Come on, Jonah, this is a good day. Jonah is like, I'm going to sit in the sun and mope. It's like, I'll make a little tree grow over you, but you just feel a little bit better, Jonah. And he's angry and he's upset and he's... (sighs) And then God comes in one of the verses and he's like, Jonah... I, I literally cracked up laughing one night re- reading this because I can feel the Lord's tone. It's like the Lord goes, Jonah, does it do you well to be angry like this? <laughs> it's like, how are you doing, Jonah? Is this working for you? You're under your little tree that's going to be eaten by a worm. And anyway, just to show you I'm God, how, is this working for you, Jonah? Does it do you well? Right? 
And it's like, I laughed at it, but it confronted me as well, because it's like the Lord goes, does it do you well to be the way that you are? Does it do you well to be a selfish human being? Does it do you well to be stuck in your arrogance? Does it do you well to be a victim? Does it do you well to be bitter? Does it do you well to be complaining the whole time? Does it do you well to be negative every day? Does it do you well to put your wife on the outside because you've shut your heart to her? Does it do you well to be distant from your children? Does it do you well to be a workaholic? Does it do you well? And he says, guys, I need you to be real with me. Don't be arrogant and say it's not in your heart when it is. Because we're not going forward unless we get real with this stuff. Right? Are you guys okay? Are you breathing? Please breathe. So then, then he just emphasizes verse 16. We are definitely not getting to everything I wanted to say. He says, For where jealous, jealousy and selfish ambition exist, I need you to hear this. Just look, think of your life for a minute, and, and I have to do it with mine as well. So let's just, it says, For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder. measure please do me a favor today let's measure our lives against the word just 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 be naked before the lord and just say okay just gonna measure my life against the word there's disorder it's just chaos in your life i'm not talking about being busy i'm talking about there's busy and then there's chaos that's a different thing he actually says it adds a couple of words here again amplified unrest and rebellion. Like if I am never at rest in my heart, I'm not talking about activity, I'm talking in my heart, something is amiss. Right? Rebellion even. And man, we've got to be real about this thing because we can be rebellious. We're not as bad at that as we wanna <laughs> as we wanna admit. We're pretty good at being rebellious. Rebellious against leadership. Rebellious against godly order. Rebellious against a lot of things. And often we call it free thinking. Or I'm out of the box. Which box? Which box? Because there is a way. There's a way. There's a godly way. There's a biblical way. That's it. And it might look out of the box to the world, but surely it can't look out of the box to God and to the Scriptures. Right? He goes on and he says, and every, listen to this part, isn't this frightening? He says, exists, there is disorder, and every evil thing, and morally degrading practice. It's frightening. He says, if, if selfish ambition and jealousy is alive in your heart, is alive in your life, and it's the dominant force, every evil thing and morally degrading practice will be there. It's within reach. It's scary. It's scary. 
We had a, had a hard look at our lives and go, what's going on? Like sexual sin, pornography, you know, addiction, all of these things. And, and we, man, listen, I don't want to be hard on anybody in the room. I don't know where you're at. But man, we've got a man up. Got to own up to the stuff and say, listen, I've got a problem. If you have a problem, get into accountability. Start talking to somebody. Start, start being real about this thing. Start taking ownership and just saying, listen, Lord, I'm struggling. It sucks. Help me. And this is what I'm going to do. Alright? If you have a past with alcohol, and whether you think wine is okay as a Christian or not, I don't doesn't matter. That's between you and the Lord. Do your thing. I, I, I don't care. But if you have a history with alcohol, then why are you even in the vicinity of it? Why is it even within reach? Why? If you have a history with pornography... Why is that computer not locked down with apps and stuff and accountability stuff? Why is it? Why are you not taking ownership of the issue? Right? If if the issue is your marriage and and your wife and the way you treat her and that you're not there, you don't give time. Why is your phone on when you get home at five or six? Why are we hooked to sport every weekend and we're watching hours and hours and hours of sport but our family is crying out for attention and we can't see it? We've got to own this stuff because there's a danger coming. That's why I'm saying it's, it's a call to mighty men that will be warriors because somebody's got to go and say, this is dangerous. This thing right here, it doesn't look like anything right now, but this is a problem. This thing can grow into, and it's going to destroy, it's going to eat you alive. And I don't care how strong we think we are, we don't have it under control. We, we, need, we need help, we need a, a way of thinking, boundaries, stuff in place, that we say, I get that I'm not strong enough, I'm going to do everything in my power. I'm crying out to God, but I'm drawing lines around my life and saying, this is the way it's going to be. And then I speak to my brothers in the Lord, I'm saying, help. I'm on a journey here, we're struggling here, help me. Because I'm going to lose my wife. I'm going to lose my children, I'm going to lose my business, I'm going to lose stuff if I don't have somebody checking in and helping. We've got to own this stuff. There needs to be a responsibility. There needs to be something that stands up on the inside of us where we just go, no. We've got to be different. If it's other women in your life, man, you, we can't... Oh, proximity is dangerous. Proximity is dangerous. It's like, you know, my pastors in the village, I'll use them as an example because then everybody in the room can feel more relaxed. Right? Just breathe, okay? I'll use them. Because it's not us, right? <laughs> anyway, so a pastor in the village is like, it's like the minute you become that, there's like a massive target on your head and over your head and over your family that says to every single lady in those villages, I'm going to sleep with you and I'm going to destroy your family. It's a fact. 
Like literally one of our villages, you go in there and they heard we're ministering and at some point they come to us and they say, so have you guys not slept with the ladies in that village yet? I'm like, what? <laughs> like so, because we all know that's what those ladies do. They're waiting. That's, that's, that's their goal. Right? So if you're a pastor in our work in that part, man, I am all over you with accountability. It's frightening. It annoys them. You can ask him, that, like every time I'm in a car alone with them, Landisa again the other day, I'm like, Landisa, you need to check these things out. You've got to have partners with you. You cannot get close to them. You cannot. Then he says, yeah, but this lady started WhatsApping him. I'm like, block her. He's like, no, no, but I can't be mean. Shame her feelings. I'm like, block her now. Protect your family and protect the ministry because we are done if you fall. No, but I need to be nice. No, you don't need to be nice. You are a mighty man. You are a warrior and they are touching holiness. They need to be afraid. And they need to understand where is the line. No, you cannot touch my children with LGBTQ rubbish. I'm sorry. You are wrong. I don't care what you think. This is my house. I'm drawing the line around my family. Right? You're not exposing them to that. I'm sorry. Modern family is not funny. It is, but it's not. Right? Because it normalizes sin. It normalizes things that God calls an abomination. And we go, Oh, but there's such nice people. It's so nice. No, it's not. It's an agenda. And you've got to be the one that says, Nia donkey, uh-uh. This is the line. I don't care what they say. You can't protect from it. I get that. But as far as I can, I'm not allowing stuff in my house. There's things that will not be in my house. It's just the way it is. I'm not going out at night with my buddy friends and... And I'm not talking about partying. I'm just, I'm not out at night with my male friends doing stuff. What in the world is that? I'm married. And I like being with my wife. And if you don't like being with her, what is going on? No, I don't like the movie she watches. Oh, shame, man. Shame. So that hour and a half of chick flicks, is that going to really kill you? Shame, man. Really? Come on. Come on. Be your friend. Be your friend. Just love her. Enjoy her. Be her friend. Yes, she's emotional. I know. Oh. I know. But slip, she loves you. No, she doesn't. Well, does she feel love from you? I want to challenge you. When you step out here today, stop blaming anybody and take ownership of stuff. Even if it is their fault, I don't care. I want us to own it. When I, and this is not a reflection on Maurice at all, but when I got married, I need to finish at some point there. It's got so many fun things. To, no, we've got lots of time. Oh, you're in trouble. I'm getting to the big guns at any moment now. Anyway, no, so when I got married, like, I'm getting married so excited. And finally, you were very much involved in that process. 
And uh, so I'm excited, you know, Fani's been coaching me about marriage and all of this stuff forever. You don't even know if you remember. And um, so we're, we're sitting, I'm getting married, I'm, I'm excited, man, this is awesome. And uh, we're about to get married and at some point uh, I feel like the Lord speaks to me and He says to me, uh, He says to me, you, you're going to have to die to yourself. And I'm like, yeah, I know a verse about it, of course. <clears throat> you know, we all know that. And he's like, no, you, you have to die to yourself. And that was it. It was kind of like a weird moment. And I'm like, okay. And then at some point in the marriage, um, you know, there's like a moment where I think, I would really have liked to do this now. And she wants to do that now. But let's, okay, it's fine. Let's do that. You know, that, that kind of a thing. So, and maybe I was just a little bit uh, emotional that day. <laughs> and I kind of go like, I want to now. I, don't, I want to do my thing now. It would be really fun to do what I want to do right now. And I hear the Lord goes, but I told you, you need to die to yourself. I'm going, how much? <laughs> how much? And he's never answered me. He's never come back to me on that question particularly. This is the point. Isn't the goal dying to self in the gospel? Isn't it to take up your cross, to deny yourself and to follow him? Isn't that the purpose of this thing is so that Christ can be all in all. If I can get out of the mix, then He can get into it. If I can get out of the way, then He can fill me and He can fill my marriage and my relationships with His glory and His goodness and His wisdom and His love and His mercy. That's the point. The point is, I don't have it figured out and I failed in all of these things. I can talk about failing as well. I failed in all of it. But the point is, the more I lay down my life, the more He lifts me up. Isn't that true? You either believe it or you don't. That's the point. Can I be real? You either believe it or you don't. You either think that I'm going to lay down my life and, it's not, and uh, you know, whatever, they're just going to trample over me. If they trample over you, I want to tell you this. There's one who sees and His name is God. God, Al Roy, He's the one who sees. He sees and He goes, Well done, son. And you go, but they trampled all over me. And he says, well done. You're looking like me. Well done. I will lift you up. I will. That's the goal, isn't it? It's to lay down your life so that those around you can prosper. So that those around you can see Christ in you. That's the goal. It's not selfish ambition and jealousy. It's pointing people to the Lord. I'll never forget one day I'm about to go out and minister again on a weekend. Again, I'm away from the home. I traveled in the, in the year of, what was it, 20? Uh, you weren't with us. You were still in school. Can you believe it? It was the year 2017. That year, I traveled 205 days of the year. That's a lot, guys. That's a lot. With a young family, that's a lot. It's a lot. It's, it, it, they do pay a price. We love what we're doing, but, but it's a price. It's okay. And then when you get home, what do you want to do? You want to, uh, on the couch, because you've just kind of went for four days, ten days straight, just preaching, preaching, and then you get home, and it's like these little things around you, and they're just like, pop, 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 and you, you know, and you go, oh, I could really do with a break right now. And you see those little faces, and you go, I can do with a break right now, Jesus. And he's like, yeah, they can do with a dad right now. Oh, my God. And then I hear these words of our old friend David Hogan. <laughs> he looks at me and he's like, Son, you're not tired. <laughs> I'm like, No, I am, sir. He's like, No, you're not mad. You're Superman. 
<laughs> Daniel hates that. I always tell him, he's like, I'm tired. No, you're not. You're Superman. Man up. Come on. Christ in me. The hope of glory. We can do this, right? We can do this. I can do two more hours with the kids. And then I'll crash and burn. And then Maurice is going to want to talk about everything that's happened while I'm gone. And then I'm going to crash and burn. And then the pastor in the village is almost going to die like Friday night. And we have to get him back to life and all of that. And then I'm going to crash and burn. And then there's, some, there's always something, right? But you're Superman because Jesus is in you, right? We can do this. Daniel, are we doing better? We're doing better, right? Daniel's not that tired anymore. And I'm not making fun of him. I'm just being real. We've got to own this thing, right? We've got to own this thing. Because I don't want to be selfish. I don't want to be seen as that. I don't want to see as jealous and every evil thing is in my life. Everything that's morally degrading lives and exists around me. I don't want that environment. Right? I'm willing to pay a price. So that it doesn't happen. And when you do, He will strengthen you. He will encourage you. He will lift us up. Right? He will do it. When we love that lady, man, and I know she's difficult sometimes. Right? I know you feel disrespected sometimes. I get it. Culture has not helped us. It hasn't helped us. But you do not win her back by dictating over her. It's not the way you're going to do it. Yeah, be strong in the Lord. The way you win her back is by worshipping Jesus with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength, listening to His voice and leading your family and being gentle and humble but strong in the wisdom that's from above. And you lead them into the Lord. You lead them in that direction. You have the key to change your family. You do. You have to get the key to heal that hard heart in your wife. You do. I'll never forget it. So I'm, anyway, that was what I wanted to tell. So I'm about to go out of the house and I'm about to preach. And, and Maurice is sitting there. His baby years. Man, it's rough. She's going through a rough time with three babies in three years. It's, oh, it was horrible. Good luck, Martin. And um, so all of this stuff is happening. But God helped us, right? The first five years we didn't sleep, five, six years, and then it got better, right? <laughs> and then people will come, yeah, I just need to pray a little bit more. I'm like, I'm going to slap you if you ever tell me that again. Just need to pray, then your babies will sleep. I'm like, Brr. God is building character in me, can't you see? <laughs> Anyways, I'm about to leave the house, Maurice is breastfeeding or something, and there's cords all over, <laughs> you know, and it's nappies and chaos, you know, it's just, it's our life, right? <laughs> and then let, I'm, inter, I'm interrupting myself and then <laughs> then on the Sunday I'm preaching and she's leading worship on the Sunday morning with these three little things and Oma and Opa they are busy they're preaching as well they're busy running this church thing right so it's not like and we go and she needs to be at church at 7 o'clock so that means I'm stuck with three babies before I'm going to preach, right? I've got to change nappies, get them dressed. And you know that's not an easy thing because my wife, she's got a very strong idea how those babies need to look when they get to church. And if it doesn't align, it's not good, right? So I need to figure this thing out, right? And I need to look decent as well. And somewhere in there, hopefully, I heard the Lord for this. <laughs> this message was just going to happen, right? And now we get to church, you look at it, it's baby bags, prams, one in the arm, this one, and then one in the pram, and I'm pushing, and it's like Bibles, and I'm just happy to be on time, like, I feel like a flippant champion, man, I made it, right? Maurice is worshipping, and now we also, we have to time the worship, because I know what time we have here, then that little thing is going to be firstly, and mom is the only one with the solution, right? There's nobody else that can help with that problem, so I'm going... 
Lord, I want the flow of the Spirit, but we have like half an hour here. Can you, can you nail it in half an hour? That would be awesome, right? Anyway, so, and then I walk into church and I'm just like rushing. I'm getting ready. And then a tiny comes and she's like, you didn't greet me. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, Jesus loves you. I love you. Leave me alone. Anyway. <laughs> and then when people say, no, it's a little bit hard for me to go to church with the children. I'm just like, shame. It's, it's rough, isn't it? really tough. Ah, the baby didn't have a good night. I didn't have a good night for five years, man. <laughs> no, I, I'm not in the seasons or missions or outreach right now with the children. I'm like, okay. Mine were two, the youngest, when I went to that village. They sit in five-hour services on a daily basis sometimes. And they love it. What's the point? If you want to do it, you can do it. If we want God in our family, we can do it. Every morning, 7 o'clock, every morning at 7 o'clock, me and my family sit and we worship the Lord together for an hour. Every week's day. Every week's day. Not in holidays. Because then we have a break. Not from God, just from getting up at 7. Every morning, me and my family, we're worshipping God. It's got nothing to do with ministry. That's got something to do with the culture in the house. We're going to seek the Lord together. And I don't know if Adam gets anything, or Ben, or Emma sometimes, and then moments they go and they, they say things and they pray, and I'm going, oh my goodness. I'm just going, they're getting this. And they're young, I get it, I get it, I get it. But as long as they're in my house, we're going to do that. When they're out, they can decide what they want to do. But me and my house, we are going to seek the Lord. I took that verse. And here's the weird thing. Seven, eight, and nine, no, ten, and whatever they are. Anyway, somewhere there. When we don't do it for a while because we're busy and we miss a season, I can see them getting, un- they're getting restless. It's interesting. I can see them change. They're like... Something's not right. When we start doing it again, it's like, it settles. It doesn't mean I love it. It's, sometimes they don't, but they actually don't fight me. They don't fight me. They come in the morning at 7 o'clock, they have their little Bibles, and they come and sit down in the living room, and they're all waiting for us. Ready for duty, sir. <laughs> I'm still working on this, sir. Anyway, my point, this is my point. Man, I'm struggling to tell this story. So I leave the house, all of the chaos in the house, and Marise looks at me and, and I know she I know this is a sacrifice for me going this time. I know it. Sometimes it's easy, other times it's hard. It's just you know the way it is. You just feel a certain way. And I'm walking out of the house and she just as I'm about to leave the door, she just turns and she looks at me and she says, Honey Lisi? Not honey, Lisi. Lisi. I say, Please, I need you I need you to keep on seeking the Lord. For the sake of my family, of our family. We need you to see God, please. I'll never forget it. I don't know if she was, I don't know what moment she was having, but I just sat there, I walked out, and I'm like, it's not about ministry. Listen to me, it's not about ministry. This is about, I need to hold the line for my family in the Lord. Listen, they need you. Your friends need you. Your wife needs you. Your children need you. If you're not married, the the people in your workspace, they need somebody that's going to seek the Lord and hold that line. 
last night we were talking, you know, I was talking about uh, with um uh with Tommy and anyway so we have a mutual friend that and he looks at me and he says, Do you still have contact with those people? Amazing family, they've meant so much to us. And I say, Yeah, we still talk like regularly and all of that, but when, you know, he's probably in his sixties now and his children's my age. And he, and uh, and Tommy just looked at me and he said, Man, those people that family they are just like stable in the Lord. They just keep going. And I'm thinking the testimony around their life for 40 years is that. They just keep going in the Lord. Hard times, bad times, good times, they just, they just solid, just seeking God, just doing their thing, humble, steady, wisdom from above. They just keep going. That's who we are. That's who we are. He says, verse 17, but the wisdom from above is first pure. Do you hear that? There's a different wisdom. The first thing about it, it's pure. It's pure. Sure. Morally and spiritually undefiled. It's pure. And doesn't that feel liberating? <laughs> There's a wisdom from above and it comes and it's just... It's just undefiled. There's no stench to it. There's no sting in it. There's, it's just pure. It, like even that word just gets me excited this morning. It's just, oh, you can breathe. It's pure. Pure motives. Pure heart. It's undefiled morally and spiritually. There's no stain to it. That's the wisdom from above. It's what's available. It says, then it is peace-loving. And willing to listen. Again, you know it's a woman who wrote this. It's courteous and considerate. You know, we always say, oh, we can't understand women and all of that stuff. And we like saying those things in marriage talks. And then, oh, and who can understand women? Uh, yet, Peter, who was the only married guy who wrote in the Bible, well, one of them. He writes in First Peter 3 verse 7, I think he says, Men, understand your wives. He says, because then your prayers will be answered. <sighs> Considerate, cautious, understanding what's going on in their hearts. What's going on in the hearts of those people around you, close relationships. Understand their hearts. Right? We've got to get to this place. Because why? It's peace-loving. The minute that peace becomes part of the equation it calms it brings the levels down in everything when peace enters our heart the levels come down in the house and suddenly we can talk right suddenly we we can have conversations and we can talk about stuff and we can get to each other's heart and understand what's going on in your heart and what's going on in your heart heart without feeling offended without feeling attacked because my selfish ambition has left the room so you can't hurt me now because it's no longer I who live but Christ who lives in me. If we're really dead it's hard to hurt you. I know it's tough but that's the point. So now I can listen to you without feeling offended because you're moving into my space and you're taking my toys away from me. It's conversation because there's peace and there's understanding. It goes on and it says it's gentle. It's gentle. Gentle as is not weak. It's not weak, but it's gentle. It's kind. There's there's an openness, so it means people feel safe with me. That's what it means. And it's it's a tough thing, you know. I, I 
I sat with my children one day and I said, and I said, listen, so, you know, is there anything that I've done to you that's been hurtful recently? You know, we do that every now and again. And sometimes it's, it's pretty painful, you know, to, to hear what they say with their pure little hearts and they're just so honest, you know, and, and, and it's always good because it, it helps me. And they'll just say stuff and, and the one thing that always gets me about them is that when gentleness is not in my tone, that really hurts. Even when they know they're wrong. But if the gentleness and the peace leaves the room, that's what scares them. That's what makes them feel I'm not a safe place. And that's pretty important to me. It will be the same with your wife. It will be the same with your colleagues. I've got to be a safe space for them. They must be able to tell me what they think. And it's painful sometimes. If you don't want to hear it. Right? But if that's there, then suddenly healing can flow. And I can go, okay, I'm hearing what you're saying. I need to adapt. I need to change. I need to do this. And life returns. But it's listening, not with what I think is right for them. Because that's the issue. That's what we do. We go into situations and we think this is how it should be. Because we've got a vision. We've got a plan. And it's, it's just not the way it works. Every time I do that, I fail. You know, I fail every time. It's going to look different for them. Principles are the same, but I've got to be open to hear what's actually in their hearts. You know? It's like all of my children are different. The way I need to discipline them or challenge them into a better walk, I need to approach it so different with each and every one of them. I mean, I can tell you lots of funny stories about that. But it's different. And I've constantly, I'm constantly trying to figure it out. It's not like I have it. I, I feel like I'm behind the whole time. It's like, oh, okay, oh, okay. Yeah, you never feel like you're ahead. I don't know. I, I've never felt like I've got this. I'm always going, oh, okay, I've messed it up with this one again. Okay, I messed it up with that one again. But then I go back to God and I'm like, what do we do? I go back to Maurice and we sit and we have a strategy about how we're going to raise them. And we talk through this stuff, Right? We go back to our marriage and we're like, okay, what's happening? Why, you know, what is going on? It's lots of talk, it's lots of time, but it's beautiful and it's awesome and it strengthens us. It's worth it. He says, um, reasonable. Luckily, our men, we don't have an issue with that at all. We are very reasonable and very willing to listen. Like all the time. <laughs> Be reasonable. No, but really, Be reasonable. Be reasonable. Don't defend yourself so much. Man, stop defending the whole time. Stop doing the self-righteousness thing, self-justification thing. You know what? The biggest bait, I'm learning it over and over, and I'm learning it in the last year more than ever before. The biggest trap that is set before me is self-righteousness and self-justification. Like the accusations are thick and fast. Right? And I, I need to go... <clears throat> And I go, Lord, I want to say, I can, I, Lord, I can, I have the facts on this. I actually have it. I have the facts. And he's like, mm -mm. leave it. Like, oh. But Lord, they're going to think this about me. Like, they think that about you in any way. Leave it. I'll deal with it. Just do your thing. Okay. It's painful, isn't it? But be reasonable. Don't defend yourself. Because the minute I defend myself, I'm... I'm definitely going to cause division. There is a time when the Lord says, okay, speak. And then you speak. But be reasonable. And know where the boundary is. Don't take the bait the whole time. 
There is so much bait in the world out now. Whether it's the vaccine, whether it's COVID mandates, mask, no mask, this, that, LGBTQ, that agenda, this agenda, man, if you, I mean, it is like loaded. Like, literally, I stood in a church service uh, just at the end of last year, and I just mentioned something, and you can feel the room go, it's like, suddenly, I'm like, whoa, that's intense. Like, we've got a problem. If that's the situation, if we can't even talk about a vaccine, just have a conversation about it, and if we disagree with each other, whatever, man, do what you need to do. I don't care. Seriously, I don't care. Just go on with your life, right? Just stop talking to me about it. It's exhausting. I'm tired. I just want to do what we need to do, right? And we raise these things, and it's like you feel the tension. It's like the spirit that comes into the room. Why? Because you poke the wisdom of the earth. And now it's like, whoa, here we go. That is wrong. If that's you, you need to repent. If these things get you so fired up that if the political situation, let's just, it sucks. It sucks. Can we just be honest? It sucks, the political situation in South Africa. Why are we even talking about it? We know it sucks. So, it's been sucking for 10 years, 20 years. How long? I don't know. Well, let's just get on with it. Is he telling you to leave? No, okay, then stay. Is he telling you to stay? Okay, then stay. If he's telling you to leave, then leave. This is really simple. Just listen to God, do what he says, and let's get on with our lives. But pull your head out of that thing. Every time I get my head into it, I'm like, oh, this is, it's just not worth it. Just stay out of it. It does suck. (laughs) The situation is not good. That's the reality. But God, right? So let's just get out of it. Wisdom of the world. I don't need that. I need the wisdom of God. What is God saying? Uh, full of compassion and good fruits. Did I mention that? It is unwavering, without self-righteous hypocrisy and self-serving guile. Isn't it beautiful? It doesn't have those things. It's pure. It's pure. And then he goes on, last verse, and he says, And the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace. Peace, I'm, I'm, this is what we're talking about actually. So he says, there is a seed that we sow. The New King James says, there is a seed that we sow, which fruit is righteousness. Right? If we want righteousness in our marriages, if we want righteousness in our own walk with the Lord, what does that mean? Things are right with God. Things are right according to His standard. It's that alignment between heaven and earth. It's right. Right? It's, it's right. Isn't that awesome? To be right with God. To go and, and, and I can say, and, and I can't now, but I wish we can, to say, but every area of my life is right. It's righteous. It's right with God. It's like, I don't, ha- I don't have to hide anything. I don't, I don't have to stand. It's right. It's in the open. I'm right with God. And I want to sow seeds of righteousness into my marriage, into my finances, into my workplace, into the people around me. I want to sow seeds of righteousness. I want to sow something into their lives that's right. Like speaking to you this morning, I'm hoping I'm sowing right seed. That's what I want to do when I speak to people around me. Is it good seed? Is it righteous seed that I'm sowing? And he's saying, it must be done in peace. That's like, can, did you hear that? I need you to hear this. He's actually saying something to us. Let's reverse it. He's saying, you cannot sow righteous 
seeds if you don't sow it out of peace. It's a big deal. So if I'm going into this situation in anger and I'm going to tell them, no, peace. And peace is not a weak thing because now it sounds like you're never allowed to have a, you know, say, no, that's not what I'm saying. Peace is very confrontational because the enemy hates peace, right? To be a peacemaker, it means you're going to make war. Do you get that? You can't be a peacemaker unless you're going to create some wars because you're going to walk into situations where there's no peace and to bring it, you're going to have to bring the sword of the Lord sometimes. But it's done in peace. To correct somebody, to tell them you're out of line here and there. But it's out of a space of peace, therefore it will produce a seed of righteousness, fruit of righteousness in their life. But if I'm coming in out of a place of anger when I'm correcting, when I'm bringing the word of the Lord to you, I'm missing the point in any way. Because it's not sown in peace. And the peace of God, and the God of peace will trample Satan under your feet. Right? The God of who? Peace. And it's interesting because he's a warrior. But he's called the God of peace and that will trample Satan under your feet. The God of peace, who is a warrior. But when it's done in peace, it produces a fruit because my mind is clear, it's wisdom that's from above and I'm not, I'm not stained by everything that's going on around me. And I can actually speak out of the wisdom of the Lord. You know, if there's something that I want to pray for us this morning, is that the spirit of counsel will come upon us. I was praying for a man the other day, and I was just prophesying over him, and I started saying, I see like the spirit of counsel is coming, the counsel of the Lord is going to come on your life. And while I'm talking to him, suddenly I see how people line up at this guy's office, just weeping, because they need the counsel of God. People are desperate for the word of the Lord and the advice of God and what God is saying, how God is seeing things, how God is counseling us in this season. The counsels of the Lord. How many of you wouldn't want the counsel of the Lord about what to do in your business, what to do in your marriage, what to do in this situation? This is what we need. How do we get it? Peace. Approach Him in peace. Deal with the selfish ambition and jealousy in our own hearts. Get it right with God and start living differently. Do we need to stop? I wanted to talk about marriage and all of that more, but I just kind of mixed it in there. So I'm sorry if it didn't end it the way that we thought. But here's the thing. Just, we just need to stand up as men and follow the Lord. Saying, I don't know how to do it. Well, just follow the Lord. Just follow God. Just start worshipping and seeking Him and seeking Him so that your family can prosper and be blessed. Die to self a little bit more. Be a little bit more transparent. Be real with yourself. Stop being a victim. Just stop. It's not produced... It has never produced any good fruit in anybody's life. And therefore, I'm not saying that you didn't go through hard things. I'm sure you did go through hard things. But it's, it's not helping us. You know? Nobody kept the victim mentality and sword in life. God loves us. And He wants to pour His Spirit out on us. And He wants to do something with men in this hour. And He wants to tell you it's okay to lead. Those who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. How do you become a warrior in the Lord? How do you become a son, a mature son? Listen to the leading of the Spirit. Do it. Just follow the Lord. 
Just follow the Lord. Seek God. Ah, don't let your wives be the one that's seeking the Lord in your family only. Come on, guys. She's prophetic. Awesome. Help her. Doesn't matter if she's prophetic and you're not. If she's seeing visions and you're not. If she's getting... Doesn't matter. You are the man in the house and you lead out of the word of the Lord. And you set the standard of morality, of spirituality. You set the spiritual tone in your house. And her visions is awesome. Let it help. It's not a threat to you. It's not a threat. It's a blessing. My goodness. It's, it's a blessing. How are we angry about it? It's awesome. It helps. My wife's dreams, my wife's discernment, it's such a blessing to me. Without it, I would have made terrible mistakes. Much more than I've done already. It is not a threat to me. It can't be. It's an adding to the body of Christ. It helps. No, but I I don't see anything. I don't care if you see anything. Read the Word. Pray. Fast. Seek the Lord. Give direction. And let her see in the heavens and let her prophesy and see angels and do all of that stuff. And use it to the advantage of your family. Because God is obviously trying to speak to your family through your wife. But that does not make her the leader. You're the leader. I'm sorry. That's just the way it is. They are the what? Weaker vessel. Ooh. I'm going to tell that to them later on. Don't worry. It's not my idea. That doesn't make them weak. But lead your house. Lead. Don't be intimidated. Use it. Right? Use it. It's like, it's an arrow in the quiver, man. That prophetic word of your wife, that gift on her life, it's flipping awesome, it's strengthening us. It's not holding us back. It's a good thing. This is who we are. And they're coming, so we need to watch our words now. Let's stand together. All right. I don't know what to pray for. (laughs) So... This morning when I thought about it, I I know what to pray for. I felt like there is deliverance that needs to happen in some of our lives. Because there is wisdom from below that crept in. And we actually need deliverance. Right? And you go, oh no, no, I don't need that. No, we do. I need it too sometimes. Let's just not be funny about it, man. Let's just be real. Let's just go, okay, I need help. Right? What does that look like? I don't know. If there is a, a stronghold in your life, meaning a pattern that keeps repeating, 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 you need deliverance. Right? If there is a thinking pattern that you cannot break that is against the knowledge of God, we need deliverance from that. It's a stronghold. Right? If there is an inability in your marriage to change, not her, you, you, you need to change. I'll talk to her later. You need to change. If you can't do it, and you struggle to change the anger, you struggle to change the frustration levels in your own heart, we need deliverance. Right? And if that's you, I just want you just, everybody close their eyes. Let's make it easy. 
Not that we should worry about this stuff, but if that's you, I want you to raise your hand just quickly. Just say, go, I need some help here. All right, awesome. If you want to come to the front, that'll be fantastic. Let's just do that. It was always everybody, so don't worry about it. Oh, man. I'm sorry for the pain, huh? And I'm being real. I am so sorry for all the stuff. Some of you guys just got a hard deal. Got a hard deal, I know. Sometimes you just got a hard deal in life. And it wasn't your fault. Sometimes it was our fault. Right? Whichever way, it doesn't really matter. But I'm sorry for the pain. I'm sorry for the disappointment. And so is he. But he and all of us in this room needs us now to say, I'm going to own this thing and let's go forward, Lord. We're reporting. The mighty man is here. And you think, I don't feel mighty. You feel like Gideon right now. I don't care. Visitation is coming. Visitation is coming. Right? So this is what I want you to do. I want you to take that area that you just thought about that made you come forward. I want you to put it before the Lord. Just whatever it is. Just say, Lord, I'm giving you this thing right now. I'm giving you my anger, I'm giving you my frustration, I'm giving you my inability to change in this and that way, I'm, I'm giving you my, and, and oh, can we do this? I'm giving you my selfish ambition, and I'm giving you my jealousy. Guys, if that's the only thing we do this morning, that, that'll be awesome. I'm giving those things to you right now, Lord. Lord, I'm giving it to you in my own life. I'm saying, have it, Lord. Remove every bit of selfish ambition. I want you to be the only drive, the only goal, Lord. Remove jealousy. I don't want to look at anybody else and go, I don't want to be a murderer in my heart by being jealous. That's what you said. So we give it to the Lord. Lord, I give you my marriage right now. I I give you my own stubborn heart. I give you my parenting right now. I give you my fathering ability right now. I lay it at your feet. I'm saying, Lord, help. Lord, I give you my lack of capacity, lack of energy to deal with the stuff in my life. Some of you guys are just flat. There's no energy. Yet Psalm 63 verse 5 says, Every time I enter into the sanctuary of the Lord, I am energized by, your, by the anointing of your presence. You're Superman. (laughs) Don't ever forget that. Don't ever forget that again. Right? So we give you this stuff, Lord. And then I want you to repent. Just say, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for earthly wisdom. Just repent. Lord, I'm sorry for thinking like the world. I'm sorry for not thinking out of the Spirit. I'm sorry for letting these things fall in my life and not dealing with it the way that I should. I'm sorry for not protecting what is important to you. And that's you, by the way. That's you as an individual. He loves you. You are important to Him. So why is there alcohol close to you? Why is there pornography close to you? Say, I'm sorry that I don't protect myself, God. I'm a temple. I'm a temple of the living God. So Lord, I I just bless every single one of these men right now. And Lord, I just speak freedom. Freedom. Freedom, freedom in the name of Jesus. I rebuke the spirit of addiction in this room now in the name of Jesus. I cast you out in the name of Jesus. Go in Jesus' name. 
Pornography, a spirit of lust, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. I command you, go now in the name of Jesus. You have no room in our lives. Lust, you have no room in our lives. Anger. Frustration. Irritability. Selfishness. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. And we command you to go. Now, in Jesus' name. Leave their bodies right now. Leave their minds right now. Liberty in Jesus' name. Liberty in the name of Jesus. Heavenly wisdom. Say this with me. Heavenly wisdom. Come to me. Wisdom that is pure. Come to me. I need you. Spirit of counsel. Come to me. In the name of Jesus. What I want us to do is I want you to turn to the guy next to you all over the room. Just turn. Two or three guys. Just turn to each other real quick. And I want you to start praying the fire of God over them. Like, just pray them on fire to be that mighty man of war. Just let them, We're going to stand up in Jesus' name. Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Okay. I want to... We have a bit of... I forgot, it's only at 10, so those ladies are just early. All of them are in the wrong place. Um, I want to pray for marriages real quick. Is that okay? So... Whatever is going on, if, if you need a breakthrough in your marriage, right? If you don't have a marriage but you want one, <laughs> like meaning you're single. <laughs> so interesting, the other morning I woke up in the village, Daniel was there, and I asked the Lord, what should I preach today? And the next minute I see myself, if I, have, I have a village Bible, it's like a little one I can put in my pocket. So and I see myself standing with this village Bible, and I just see the verse Genesis 24, 6. 
I have no idea what's in Genesis 24.6, but I see I'm preaching very passionately out of this verse, but I just can't hear what I'm saying. <laughs> Would have been helpful. Anyway, so I go to Genesis 24.6. Craziest verse. And, um, and it says this, it says, just, um, uh, just like the Lord was with me, Abram speaking, and he led me out of the country, and he, you know, it just goes on and on about him being with me. And then he speaks to the servant, uh, Abram's servant, and he says, so, the angel of the Lord will go out before you and select a wife, prepare a wife for my son Isaac. And awesome. And I thought, like, so that's like a weird thing, but I feel like I were single people. That's like something I started to pray is that that angel, Cupid, no, I'm just, oh, man, I just, just sunk the whole thing, right? <laughs> Obviously, he's not, no. Just call him, uh, Romeo, Romeo, <laughs> that he will go out before you, that the Lord will send him out and bring the right person to you. But also, if the Lord can send out an angel to, to, bring, uh, to bring you to your future wife, then also he can send out an angel to restore marriages. He can send out an angel to, to heal and to bring life in a marriage that's kind of been a little bit dead. He can turn things around. He can do the impossible. You know, one of the most interesting persons in ministry to me is, is Benny Hinn, right? And saying his name creates already emotions in people, either this way or that way, it doesn't really matter. But I've never seen a guy mess up more in his life with the incredible anointing, oh my goodness, but repenting the way he does, publicly every time about it, and then changing it, I mean, just humbling himself, whether it's about this prosperity thing which he humbled himself about, repented completely about it, publicly, right? about his marriage, humbled himself. I mean, they were divorced, then they got back together again. The weirdest guy, right? But if there's one thing above the miracles that I'll probably always honor about him, it's that. And there's something that happens when we humble ourselves and repent, that God can restore the weirdest dude and do something. So I want to pray for, for that. I want to pray if who needs a wife. Yeah, okay. That's a good deal. All right. Who, and the rest, who just needs prayer for your marriage? Just put up your hand. Restoration. Man, I would like that. So Lord, you instituted this beautiful thing called marriage. Can I, I'm interrupting myself. The other day I'm sitting with a single... I'm sorry, we're talking alone. I'm sitting with a single lady friend of ours. She's on fire for Jesus. She's a very mature believer. And uh, she's never been married. She's 37, my wife's age. And um, we're sitting around the dinner table and talking. And we're just hanging out. And, you know, relationships always comes up because obviously she wants to get married. So, any 37-year-olds? No? Um, anyway, so... Uh, and she says something to me, man, it just ripped my heart like I wanted to cry. She goes to me and, and she says, there's a couple of people that's marriages uh, in the church. And, and she literally she mentions a handful. She says, you guys like inspire me when it comes to marriage. You know, these couples that she mentions. And then she goes and she says, this. she says, but I have to be honest with you. When I look at the church and I look at marriages, I cannot understand why I should want to be married. And when she said it, I'm like, oh, it's not good. How can it be that a single person looks at church people's marriages and she goes, 
I don't know if it's worth it. It's not right. So Lord, I come and I pray for marriages today. And Lord, I don't, I don't even know how to ask this, but I just know it's important. Lord, the onslaught is fierce. The enemy hates this thing with all of his guts. With all of it, Lord. And Lord, we are responding to Joel 3, 9, and we're saying, we're calling the mighty men. We're calling them to war right now. And Lord, and, and we bring our marriages before you. And Father, I pray that you will release a bliss in marriage that would make the world jealous, Lord. That it will be so glorious that those critics of marriage, those that literally want to break it down, will look at marriage again and say, there cannot be anything better than that. That union that you instituted is literally the most living, vibrant, powerful relationship on earth. And all of creation wants it because it's a picture of Jesus and His bride. It's not about us. And Lord, I pray that you will give us the heart of the bridegroom. Give us as men the heart of the bridegroom. That we will love her like Christ loves the church. Lord, it's going to take something of us, but it's also going to take nothing of us because you're going to do it through us as we surrender. We surrender to love the way you love the church. Help us, Lord. I'm failing. I'm not doing as I want to do in this. I want to do better. But help us, Lord, to do better. Help us. I want our wives to walk around and go, Man, Jesus is in my husband. You know, my wife says, you know, in this... I, I just want them to go, I see Jesus when I look at my husband. I feel his stability, I feel his gentleness, I feel his kindness when I look at her. I want our wives to brag about us in the coffee shop or whatever it is that they do. Lord, so restore our union, restore our marriages today. And we repent and we say, Lord, we've neglected this, we haven't seen it maybe for what it is. But Lord, today's the day. Today's the day. Restore it in Jesus' name. Lord, restore broken marriages. Release that angel of restoration in the name of Jesus. Be released in the name of Jesus. Father, we ask, release restoration in the name of Jesus. Let the marriages be restored. Let them come back. Let them come back in Jesus' name. And Lord, those that's looking for a life partner, Father, I pray, send out your angel like you did for Isaac and choose that beautiful bride that's going to strengthen them, that help meet that you've made specifically for these guys. Lord, no compromise, no nothing, but it will be a value system of Christ that we look for in that person we're going to marry. And man, we're going to wash our wives and our family in the word of the Lord. And they're going to stand before you pure and blameless, Lord, because we showed them. We showed them who you are as we partnered as a family to raise a kingdom standard that will speak and prophesy to creation, Lord. Let our marriages prophesy in Jesus' name. Let there not be one single person that look at us again and say, I don't want to be married when I look at you. Let them go. I want to be so married. Oh, this looks beautiful. Look at the friendship. Look at the friendship. Look at the friendship. Lord, restore friendship between husband and wife. Come on, just say that. Pray to the, if you're married, if you're married, pray to another married person quickly with them. Say, Lord, restore friendship in my marriage. We have to be best friends, man. We've got to love being with each other. Restore friendship, Lord. Friendship. We're friends, God. We're in this forever together. And it's going to be fun. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Yes, come on, forever. 
Yes. That's it, friends. Friends. That's it. It's going to be beautiful. <laughs> In Jesus' name. Okay. Oh, thank you. Can we quickly take our seats? Thank you. <clears throat> Ja, kom ons net gauw eerste uh, overgave opneem. Ons wil graag vir Henk sien. En hulle bediening en ook kostedek. Uh, so, ek gaan vraag, die haak is net die sakjes gauw deerstuur. Jy hoor by die Heilige Geest, daar snapscan ook, wat my julle kan betaal, vraag maar net vir hulle, die snapscan is by die diakens. So, hulle gaan die sakjes net deerstuur en uh, dan kan ons net uh, vir dit doen, soos die Heilige Geest op jou hart sit, asjeblief. Goed. Right, en uh, ja, dit is 9 hier op die kop so hmm so kom ons wacht net vir dit film te laten maak is en blij dan die wonderlijkste ding, dat uh, die Heer ons nie los nie, een woord soos vanmorgen, praat diep in ons hart is dit nie en, uh, en ek wil hee dat dat ons moet weet dat jy sê miskien nog self as jy daar sit, sê Heere maar gaan ek hierdie deurbraak beleef vertrouw die Heere bly uitroep Jesus, help my en bly betrokken raak roep om aan daar waar jy alleen is hy gaan jou help verseker, die Heere is bezig met ons, en wat is hy bezig om te doen, hy is bezig om die waarheid in ons leven in te bring, die waarheid help ons dat die leun ontbloot word, en, en dit is hy loop hierdie pad, en baie keer, uh, dit wat ons hier so doen, doen hy vooraf met leiers, want als hy met my werk, en met leierskap werk, dan weet ek, hier kom een woord vir die gemeente of vir die mense, want hy, hy, hy soort jou uit, en uh, kom ons wees eerlijk met die Heere, eerlijk met mekaar, daar wacht vir ons een dieper verhouding met die Heere en oorwinning so ek, ek wil julle aanmoedig moet dit so in my leven uh, ek sê elke jaar vir my, my, ek en my vrou, ons kan nie hierdie jaar ingang, ons kan nie in bediening ingaan en wat ons wil doen, op die vlak in ons huwelik as die vorige jaar daar is groei wat moet plaasvind en, en betekker is het pijnlijk, maar die groei is betekker pijnlijk, en jy moet vuis, en betekker kan ons nie in ons hevelik praat oor goed nie, want daar is een blokkasie, emotionele blokkasie, en ons moet dan sê, jyre, hoe gaan ons dit doen? Jy sien, en die jyre vat ons dieraai goed, en dan kom ons by een plek wat ons kan praat oor goed, en ek sê, en ek sê, jyre, dankie, ek sê dit, ek het die begin van die jaar gesê, en die waar ek nou is, het ek en my vrou bijvoorbeeld goed gepraat op het dieper vlak as wat ons nog ooit in ons leven gepraat het en al het dit, ons was een bykie in die bos alleen die distractions was weg kan ons mekaar in die oog kyk en 
naar die hart toe praat. So jy, jy, jy is nie op verdediging nie. Jy is op gesprek voeren. Jy sien, in, in, in die Heere, die engele, die jimmel staan gereed om ons te help. En hierdie woord, Henk, is een woord uit die Heerese hardheid. Is dit nie waar nie? Kom ons vat het, die eerste ding gaan wees een dag in die hemel. Die Heere sê, ek het jylle besoek, ek het met jullie gepraat, maar jy het jou weer onttrek. Jy het jy in kant gestaan. Ek wil vir jullie sê, die Heere wees my droom. Ek het die droom gehad. En ek gaan nie die droom vertel, en my droom beteken, daar het iets plaasgevind, en ek kyk, en my hart onttrek van die situasie, en my emotie raak dood hier binnen, ten opzichte van die, emo- van die verhouding. En ek word wakker, die heren sê, eindelike ding is dit, hy sê, dit is soos wat my kinders werk, ons, ons leef op een sekere manier, en die heren kan nie daar betrokken wees nie. Hy kan nie daar betrokken wees, hy wil so graag, maar hy kan nie, hy, hy staan een kant, en die heren sê nie, hy sê hy soek ons, ons vat hierdie goed in ons hart, Jesus naam, Jesus naam, en die lekkerte is manne, ons hoef nie show te gooi nie, ons hoef nie te perform nie, ek hoef nie te perform voor jylle nie, jylle hoef nie voor te, jy kan maar voor jou vrou heil, jy kan maar voor mekaar heil, maar in Jesus naam kom ons staan op, dat die lewe van God in ons kom. Bless you in Jesus' name. Bye, donkey. Thank you for listening to this session. We hope that you were blessed by it. For more information about the ministry, go to www.aflame.co.za or find us on Facebook and Instagram under Aflame Ministries. Until next time, be blessed in Jesus' name.